Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. Yeah, as we're starting the book of Titus this morning in verses one through four, uh, the apostle Paul gives you a picture of something called a chain reaction. Now, a, a chain reaction happens when one event triggers something else that will trigger something else that will trigger something else. All right, chain reaction, really easy to understand. You look on the screen, you got a picture of the dominoes there. You know, so the first domino tips over the second domino that tips over the third that tips over the fourth until all the dominoes have been tipped over. That's a chain reaction. The Apostle Paul says when it comes to salvation, he's going to lay out a chain reaction of something that happens in your life. When you come to saving faith in Christ, then you will have growing knowledge of the word. And from growing knowledge of the word, you will start to learn to live godly. All right, so all those three, three things grow. There's faith that grows to knowledge, and knowledge grows to godly living. And so let me just ask a question. In your life this morning, are you being a positive chain reaction in someone's life, or are you being negative? Are you causing a positive chain reaction in their life, or are you causing a negative chain reaction in their life? You know, Paul's writing this letter to Titus. Uh, theologians believe it's somewhere between 64 and 65 AD. It's between his first and second imprisonment in Rome. His first imprisonment you can read about in Acts chapter 27. It's his second imprisonment that Paul will be martyred for his faith in Christ. But sometime between there, he's writing Timothy and 1 Timothy and now Titus. And in this letter, that is a short letter, but so rich and, and deep and so impactful in our lives, Paul is showing you there is an inseparable link between faith and practice, between doctrine and devotion. And in these opening four verses, he's showing Timothy or showing Titus something very important about salvation. He's showing it to me and he's showing it to you. And it's simply this. And we've got it on the screen for you in case you want to write it down. When it comes to your salvation, you are not just saved to one day go to heaven. Sometimes Christians will think that. All right, well, hey, I've got my fire insurance, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I pray to receive Jesus and and so I'm going to heaven one day, and so right now I can, I can just do what I want to do. You know, I live the life I want to live and don't really need to check in with God. I mean, hey, got my fire insurance, I'm good. You know, I mean, State Farm can't even cover me that way, right? So uh, my life as a Christian doesn't really matter what I do because I'm good. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. There's more to salvation than just you going to heaven. See, God calls you and saves you to serve others 
That's what salvation's about. It's serving others. It's worshiping God and, and being that positive chain reaction in the life of someone else. And so in this opening four verses, Paul's going to show you who you are in Christ and why you are here. Who you are in Christ and why you are here. So let's just kind of look at the first four verses together, and we're just going to read those and then just take them apart one by one and show you who you are and why you're here. Paul opens up and he says, I, Paul a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began, verse 3 says, at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. So Paul there is showing you who you are in Christ. He's showing you why you're here. You're not just here to say, all right, well, hey, I'm going to heaven one day, but to be that positive chain reaction in the life of someone else to serve them. So notice first who you are. In Christ Jesus, you are a servant of God. All right, so in Christ, you're a servant of God. Paul starts off the letter this way, Paul, a servant of God. Now, your translation may say Paul, a slave of God. All right, so slave, servant, it's the same term. It's a term of humility. And this is the only time that when Paul's starting out a letter, he says that I am a servant or a slave of God. He often says I'm a servant or a slave of Christ. And so Paul, even though he's only using this one time, saying I'm a servant of God, is showing you he doesn't believe there's a distinction between God and Jesus. He's showing you the divinity of Christ. He's saying, no, no, I believe Christ is the Lord, that Christ is God in the flesh, and here's who I am. I am a servant of God. I am a slave of God, and that's who you are in Christ. That's who I am. We're servants of God, but notice also Paul gives himself this description as well. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm an apostle of Christ. Now, understand the word apostle in the New Testament is used in two different ways, right? There is the technical term apostle, and the technical term of the apostle is an office. Now, to be an apostle, uh, the apostles in the New Testament are the, the 12 disciples, the apostles. So you needed to be part of that 12. You needed to have witnessed the resurrected Jesus, and you needed to have been able to perform some type of miracle, and also have been called into this office specially by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, that's me. I've seen the resurrected Christ. I've, I've done miracles. Uh, I've seen Christ. I've been called specially into this office by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, I don't hold that the apostle office still is in function today based on those biblical definitions. But there's another way apostles use that's going to apply to you. And it's going to apply to me in the New Testament. The other way apostles use, not in the technical office sense, but in the general sense to mean sent ones. That's what an apostle means. It means to be sent. You are a sent person. See, you and I are sent by Jesus, by his authority, with his authority to make disciples of other people. That's Matthew chapter 28. 
that Christ who holds all authority sends us to make more disciples of all people everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe uh, the words of God. All right, so we are apostles in that sense, generally, that we are sent with the authority of Christ out with a commission. So this is Paul. This is who we are. We're servants. We're apostles in the sense that we're sent out with the commission to go help other people come to know Christ. And then notice how Paul, right here in the beginning of verse 1, starts showing you the purpose of your salvation. He says, this is Paul, servant of God, apostle of Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. You know, have you as a parent ever been, maybe you're, you're watching TV, brushing your teeth, cooking dinner, and your child came up to you, and they just started talking, just started talking, talking, talking. Maybe you've got one of those kids, like they don't breathe in between sentences, right? When they're talking, they don't understand punctuation. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. And then they finish and walk away. And you're just like deer in headlights. You're thinking, that was a lot to process. And I, I, wow, that was a whole lot. You know, right there in that statement that Paul just gave you for the sake of God's elect, which accords with godliness, that's a lot to process. <laughs> you can read that and go, Whew, Paul, you just said a whole mouthful right there in that whole little sentence. And so let's take apart what Paul's saying there, because what Paul's saying is really important to understand who you are and why you're here. Paul's showing you this. Paul was saved and you are saved for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. You see that word God's elect in there. And what you find in the Bible is the idea of God's sovereignty, God's sovereign over all things, and you find the idea of human responsibility. Now, when you start talking about salvation, you talk about God's role and our role in salvation, there's, there's a lot of discussion that you can have. There's a lot of tension in those conversations. Uh, there's all kinds of books that have been written on God's sovereignty and human responsibility within the salvation work of God in the New Testament. So let me in like two minutes just boil it down for you, all right? So here's what I believe. I believe that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. That I believe that salvation is 100% the work of God from beginning to end. That God calls you, he elects you, God chooses you, God draws you unto himself, God convicts you through the word of God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God saves you, God keeps you saved until the end. All right, so from beginning to end, that's the work of God. And I have no problem saying that. I 100% in my heart believe that. I also believe in human responsibility. And human responsibility is this. You need to hear the gospel. You need to repent of your sin, and you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Right? So at the same time, I believe God's sovereign. God works from beginning to end all throughout the salvation process. But you need to hear, you need to repent, you need to believe, you need to keep on trusting Christ in order to be saved. Now, there is a whole lot of tension right there of those two concepts, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. 
There's a whole lot of questions. There's a whole lot of tension in your mind on how that works. There's a whole lot of tension in my mind on how that works sometimes. But here in those conversations, I'm going to encourage you to live in the tension. Love the tension. Because here's the thing. Do you know whose mind there is no tension over? God. (laughs) You know in whose spirit and heart there's no debating in? God. And so all I know is God's sovereign and God's fully in control and God works in our lives. And we as people need to hear the gospel and trust in Christ in order to be saved. And there's a whole lot of questions and things we can talk about off of that. But here's what we need to do. Just go, hey, God, we're going to rest in that tension because we know there's no tension with you. We can find peace and security in that. So Paul is saying that he is saved for the sake of the faith of God's elect. You and I are saved for the faith of other people and that their knowledge of the truth may grow, which then leads to godly living in their lives. But let's just kind of think about your life for a moment. Did you notice there's a chain reaction right there in your own life? All right, you come to faith in Christ, you come to saving faith in Jesus, but then also that saving faith is going to lead to a growing knowledge of the truth, which is going to lead to growing godliness in your life. So there's a chain reaction. Faith leads to knowledge, which knowledge leads to godliness. Now, all three of those things are constantly growing. All right, so your faith in Christ is growing. Your knowledge of the truth is growing. Your godly living is growing. All right? Do you perfectly this side of heaven achieve all of those things? No, but it's constantly growing. So here's what happens in the chain in our own lives, in my life, in your life. Let's say there's a decision you need to make. There's a decision maybe you need to make with a relationship, whether you need to start a relationship, you need to end a relationship. Maybe there's a decision you need to make on something you are about to do, something about to watch. Maybe there's a relation, you know, decision you're making on who you are as a person. So what you have to do is this, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to look at say, what does my faith say? What does the word of God say? And then how is that going to cause me to live? Because if I make the decision that's contrary to the word of God, then I have to look at the chain and say, well, well, did I know the truth? All right. And so maybe there's a decision you've made that's against God's word. It's a sin in your life. And you say, okay, well, did I know the truth of God's word about that situation or not? And if I didn't know the truth, then I repair the chain by understanding the truth. But is it a decision I'm making where I know the truth of God's word, but I'm going to outright reject the truth of God's word, and now I need to look at my faith. Is my faith really real? Is my faith in Christ really true? And so you've got this decision you're making, and then if it's off of God's word, now I come to the truth, and hey, is it something I just didn't know that I need to repair the chain this way? Or is it a rejection of truth that now I need to examine my salvation? So when that chain gets broken of faith, knowledge, and living, I've got to figure out where the gap is and ask God to repair that chain back 
Because who are you in Christ? You're a servant of God. You're, you're sent by Jesus to make more disciples. You're someone who has faith that's growing, with knowledge that's growing, that now has godly living growing. But I want you to notice also uh, who you are. Not only you are a servant of God, but you're secure. You're secure in God. I, I love verse 2. Because you're not only a servant, but you're secure in God and your salvation. He says in verse 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. All right, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. How many of you this morning have told a lie? Anybody want to, you know, slip up a hand? <laughs> Recently, I was, I'll, I'll tell you this because this is church. Uh, recently, I was pulled over for running a red light in town. I ran the red light. I just did. I was in a hurry. Uh, I did one of those that turned yellow. Now, it was raining. And I did one of those things where I was like, should I stop? Should I not stop? I'll quickly scan the intersection. Run the red light. So I ran the red light, going down Highway 6. A person is, excuse me, is in front of me. They technically also ran the red light, but I was behind them, and I ran the red light. The uh, cop pulled out, and I thought I was in the clear, because they pulled out kind of late, in my opinion, but pulled out. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're going down Highway 6, and, you know, and I, I'm trying to pull over, and the car in front of me's pulled over. And so now the cop's sitting behind me, and so finally we, like, etch our way up to the water building there on Highway 6, and the car in front of me pulls over, and I pull over. So the cop pulls behind me, and the car in front of me, uh, she kind of like rolls down her window, and she looks at the cop, and she's like, am I, am I good? Am I good? And the cop's like, yeah, yeah, you're good, and she drives off. I'm thinking, man, yeah, it's like you were in it too. And the cop comes up, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I introduced myself, and I said, hey, sir, uh, I said, I hope you're having a good morning. And I said, I know I ran that red light back there. Uh, I said, I, I know I did it. And he's like, well, why'd you do it? I was like, well, it was kind of raining and it was yellow and I didn't know whether to stop or go. And I was like, so, you know, I, I ran it. And so I was like, I, I'm cool if you want to give me a ticket. Just go and give me a ticket. I'm fine. And he goes, well, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm the pastor of Heights Baptist Church. And, you know, and, and, you know I tell people about Jesus. And he goes, you would admit that? It's like, yeah, that's, that's my job. And I was like, hey, man, I, I ran the red light, so I'm fine if you want to you know, write me a ticket. But I, I think you also should go check out that other lady because she, <laughs> she was way guilty too, you know. And he goes, well, you know what? He's like, I'm just going to let you off today. I was like, yes, thank you. I don't know why I needed to admit that to you, but I just admitted that to you. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing, in that situation, I told the truth. But in other situations, there's times I don't always tell the truth, just like you do and, and I do. When you go to the doctor's office and they're like, how much do you weigh? Eh, always honest in those situations, right? But, but here's the thing is what Paul's telling us is God never lies. Isn't that amazing? 
Like, like God never lies. You and I, yeah, we do at times. We really stretch the truth in some situations. God never does. And the reason God never lies is because it's in his character not to. Because God is perfectly holy. And because God is perfectly holy, one of the characteristics of his action is to never lie. And so Paul's saying our life is secure in God because he never lies. And he promised us something of this eternal eternal life before the ages began. And so I love that in the hope of eternal life that's rooted in God, secured in God who never lies. You know that word hope in verse two is not a wishful thinking hope. It's a hope that's very secure and it's secure in God. And it's God through Christ that gives you eternal life. And here's the thing about eternal life that I think sometimes we miss. Eternal life doesn't start when you die as a Christian. Sometimes people think that, all right, well, I'm a Christian. Well, well, eternal life starts when I die. No, 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 no. Eternal life starts when you become a believer in Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says that you and I are dead in our sins. We are dead spiritually, Ephesians 2. But it is Christ that makes us alive together with him. So that is what Jesus said in John 3. You've got to be born again. So when we come to faith in Christ, now we're born spiritually. We have life with Christ now that never ends. So when the believer in Jesus Christ dies, it's just an upgrade, right? It's a major upgrade from this life to the next. We're just transitioning home. But that life you have with Christ now, it's already there. It's that eternal life that's secure in God that he doesn't lie. Well, how do I know I can have that hope? It's verse 3, that at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching, which Paul says, I've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So I can know the knowledge of the truth by the word of God from the God who does not lie, who gives me eternal life in his son, Jesus. We're secure in God. We're servants of God. That's who we are, what we're called to do. And finally, I want you to notice a third part of who you are. Uh, we are set apart to God. All right, so we are, we are servants of God, we are secure in God, and we are set apart to him. I love the way he ends verse 4, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. He mentions Titus. He's mentioned 13 times in the New Testament. Uh, Titus is a young, probably pastor at this time in ministry. Uh, he helps Paul out, especially in Corinth. Uh, and so Titus is a very kind of in, in important person that Paul's bringing along. Paul's intentionally discipling. Paul's helping Titus become spiritually formed as a believer in Jesus. But notice what Paul says about how we're set apart to God. He says, to Titus, my true child, in a common faith. You know, the faith that saved Paul, the faith that saved Titus, is the same faith that saved me, and it's the same faith that saved you. It's faith in Jesus. That's our common faith. And notice in that common faith what we receive as we receive grace, he says in verse 4, grace is unmerited favor. You did not earn grace. There's something given to you that you did not earn. We receive peace from God. Peace, having settled souls in troubled times. And then we receive a relationship from God where he's not just our God, but he's our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. He is a perfect 
father in our lives. He's a father that doesn't leave you, doesn't abandon you, always treats you well, always loves you. He's our perfect father that shows us grace and peace. And all of this is through faith in Christ Jesus, our savior. We're set apart to God. You know, when you stop and think about that, there's a few things there that I I think are important to understand how we're set apart to God in that common faith. That means this, that, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are part of a spiritual family that's, that's greater than yourself. And if you are new with us, maybe coming into our church uh, very new, or this is your first Sunday, I'm going to let you know we are not a perfect church at all. We are led by a pastor who every so often runs a red light. Okay? Like, that's who we are. We don't hide our imperfections. We actually sometimes lean into them and just go, hey, this is who we are. We're sinners saved by grace. And there are times we don't treat each other well. We don't treat each other as kindly as we should. But here's the good news is that we can learn in those chain reactions how to grow in our faith, right? how to grow in the knowledge of the word, how to learn to live godly together because we've experienced that grace and that peace, and that forgiveness of Christ. And so you and I, our our jobs as Christians is not just to sit back and go, woohoo, got my fire insurance, I'm just going to heaven. No, it's to be those servants of God, to serve others, to go, hey, here, I want to introduce you to this man by the name of Jesus, who is perfect in all ways, who died on a cross for for all my sins, for all the times that, man, I've, I've broken the law and ran that red light, all those times I've lied, All those times that I've done the things I shouldn't have done. He also died for all the things that I should have done that I didn't do. And it's Christ who perfectly took all that upon himself. And this is the Savior we worship, that he's not a dead Savior. He's a Savior that lives because on the third day he came back from the grave. This is a Savior that constantly is changing our lives, helping us in our faith to grow, helping us grow in the knowledge of the truth, and he's helping us to live godly. And so I just want to invite you into that community. Maybe if, if you're new with us and you're checking out a church, you're like, what's this church about? That, that's what we're about. We're about growing in our faith. We're about growing in our godliness. We're about growing in that knowledge of the truth. And maybe this morning you're outside of that community in the sense of you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. And you cannot with certainty today go, when I die, I don't, I, I don't know where I'm going to go. Well, Here's the answer to that. The Bible says if you don't have faith in Christ, no matter how good you are, no matter how many red lights you stop at, no matter all the good things you've ever done, if you don't have faith in Christ, heaven is not your eternal home. That your eternal place is not a place of peace, not a place of blessing. It's a place of suffering because you have sin in your life that you've not turned over to God and asked him to pay the bill for. And so I want to invite you today. Maybe you're outside that community of faith. We invite you in by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we invite you to join a community of faith where we operate and understand this is more than just us. This is all of us together working to get the gospel out to help people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so I want to invite you just to pray right where you are. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, take a moment And just examine the chain in your life of salvation. 
And maybe today you say, hey, you know what? I've got saving faith. I know I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, great. How are you doing in the knowledge of the truth? Are you growing there? How are you doing then in, in godly living? And maybe you look at that chain and, and you think, oh, boy, something's broken. Something's off. And it, and it is it godly living isn't happening because you just you haven't quite grown in the truth or you're learning some things or or maybe is it an outright rejection of truth? You need to go back and re-examine that salvation. If you find a break in the chain today, I just want to invite you to ask God to repair it. Ask God right now in your life to say, Lord, I, here's, here's where I'm struggling. Would you help me right there? And I want you to take the action that God's put on your, your mind and your heart that you may need to take. Maybe it's a sin you need to repent of. You need to tell someone, hey, here's what I've done, and I've asked God to forgive me. And it's a step of faith for you in that. As you're praying through that, maybe today it's, it's for you where you start in that chain and you go, I, I don't know if I have saving faith. I don't know if I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, the good news, the Bible tells us that we have belief in our heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, that Christ rose from the grave and Christ is Lord and Savior. That when you confess that, you trust Christ and you begin to follow him in your life, that you can have salvation. You can have that peace of assurance. And so as others are praying, let me just pray uh, with you today. If you're ready to say, in my home, in this place, I'm ready to start a relationship with Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. You're ready just to turn your life over to him and say, I need forgiveness of my sin and I'm ready to follow you. And I just want to encourage you to maybe pray just like this. Dear God, I know I have sin in my life. And I'm ready to turn from that sin. And I'm ready to follow Jesus. I believe He died on the cross for my sin. And I believe He rose from the grave on the third day. I'm ready to have that new life with Christ. You know, friend, if that was you today, the Bible tells us that when we call out on the name of the Lord, that you can be saved. And so I want to encourage you today to let someone know that you've prayed that prayer, whether it's me, you can write it on that a welcome card. You can tell the person who may have brought you uh, so we can celebrate that with you. We can pray with you. We can follow up with you and help you take those next step of faith that you need to take. And Father, I just pray this morning as I look in my life on faith and, and knowledge of the truth and godly living, I, I pray that you repair within me chains, you know, breaks within the chain. Lord, I pray that for those uh, others that are praying and examining their lives. And Lord, I thank you that our faith is not about just one day waiting it out to die to go to heaven, but you've called us to greater things. You've called us to serve others. And so, Lord, I thank you that we are your servants, that we are secure in our faith in Christ Jesus, and that you have set us apart unto yourself. Now, we are brothers and sisters in Christ in this common faith, and you are our perfect heavenly Father. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. 
And Lord, I just pray as we take the Lord's Supper this morning that we can rejoice and remember what Christ Jesus has done for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.